Hi, I'm Charlotte. I'm a therapist based in little old New Zealand. Life is too short to walk around feeling crap, so come and join me as we explore how to feel better. Whether feeling better for you is about managing anxiety, improving your relationships, lifting your mood, or working out who you are in this world, this is the place where I hope you will find some strategies and insights that will help you feel better. Thanks for joining me. Well, hello, and here we go for another episode. I'm really excited about this one. I know that everyone says they're excited about things like podcast episodes, but my reason for being really excited about this episode is one of the reasons that I started this podcast was because in an hour-long counseling session with my clients, there is often a lot more going on than I have time to attend to. And part of what I hope that this podcast will solve is it'll give me some time to connect with my clients and give them some input, some ideas, some guidance, maybe some insights on a topic without having to cover all of that in the midst of the more deeply personalized one-to-one counseling session. And this week in a counseling session, this topic came up and I thought, I actually know a lot of people will benefit from this. This episode is dedicated to two special people who I think are doing incredibly, incredibly well through a very hard time. And their brief was that they had to sit and listen to this episode together Uh, and I bet that they are chuckling and smiling at each other now, and if I've given you that opportunity to have a chuckle, then I am stoked. And I know that this is an episode that I will point other clients to, and that just generally those who are following along with this podcast will listen to and hopefully gain some, uh, some good little bits of knowledge from, and maybe some challenge around this topic. The topic I'm going to cover today is self-esteem. Now, self-esteem is really important, and one of the reasons that we know it is really important is that studies of the brain that show where in the brain we have activity going on can can show us that people who have better self-esteem are better at making decisions, they're more active in the part of their brain that lights up when they're decision-making, They're better at regulating their emotions. So self-esteem actually impacts the structure and function of our brain. It impacts the prefrontal cortex, which is where a lot of our decision-making happens. And even there are things that we can see where people who score really low on self-esteem scores are less active in their amygdala, which is the part of brain, the brain that processes emotions. So we know from neuropsychology, from tracking activity in people's brains and kind of cross-checking that against self-esteem scores, that your self-esteem matters, that it makes a difference to making decisions, to regulating and processing emotions, and those are two really, really key things in our life here on this earth as human beings. So we know from that perspective that self-esteem is really important. Now just remember when it comes to the brain, the other thing that the world of neuropsychology has shown us over recent years is that our brains are not fixed They're basically like this giant lump of plastic. And there is a term that's been coined for that, neuroplasticity. It's been a bit of a buzzword over recent years. But essentially what it is saying is 
your brain is very plastic. It is malleable, it is easy to change with practice, with doing things repetitively, we can in fact change the structure and the neural pathways that we have going on. So don't feel like if you have had poor self-esteem over the course of your life to date, that that means you've now got a lemon of a brain and you're not ever going to be good at making decisions and regulating emotions and you're not even going to be able to develop that high self-esteem. What we know is that with practice and with repetition and with really challenging our existing thought pathways, we can actually change and challenge how our brain functions, which is mind-blowing and all the more reason why you need to do counselling homework um, and why you need to really get into thinking, believing, acting in ways that you want uh, to, to keep on recreating because we know that we can carve out those new grooves in our brain. So maybe that's a whole another episode for another day on neuroplasticity. But for now, when it comes to self-esteem, just know that the work that you do in this space, if you commit yourself to uh, to being able to adopt some new ways of thinking and being when it comes to your self-esteem, that you can end up with a brain that supports you really well from this perspective. So just let me step back and um, as usual, I've like enthusiastically launched into my spiel, but let me just step back and in case you're not kind of aware um, and to set some bounds around what we're going to talk about today, uh, our self-esteem is essentially our perception of ourselves, the opinions that we hold when it comes to our worth and our abilities. So how we view ourselves, how we think about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, what we believe about ourselves. And it has a big influence across our lives. You can probably imagine that if I could give you a little pill that magically made you have great self-esteem, there might be some things that change in your life. And that's actually a really great question to consider. If I could develop really healthy self-esteem, or if I could transplant someone else's really healthy, solid sense of self-esteem... And, and have that for a period of time, what would change in my life? What would be better or different because I had a more robust, uh, less easily shakeable sense of self-esteem? And I think that that's worth considering because often we kind of go about our lives in our own little kind of groove and don't necessarily think about that uh, self-improvement stuff until we're faced with a challenge that requires that of us. When it comes to self-esteem, there is something that I say to my clients that I, a little analogy that I've come up with that might sound really, really cheesy, but you have to make the cake. You have to be your own cake. And other people their love, their opinions of you, their praise for you, their enjoyment of you, and all of those really rather really good things are like the icing on the top of the cake. But you're the cake. You have to create your own self-esteem. It's not called other esteem. It is called self-esteem. It is the opinion that you have of yourself that is quite apart from other people. Your worth and your value cannot be in other people's hands. That is a dangerous place to live, a dangerous way of being in this world. There's too much that can go wrong. There's too much that goes on with other people. That means that then we end up with a sense of self-esteem that is really vulnerable to the opinions of others. We have to make our own cake. We have to get solid 
and our own sense of our view about ourselves. Now, I have to say that this is something that I have had to work on through the challenges of my life, through some of the kind of instabilities and the things that have happened along the way in my own family story and relationship history and all that kind of thing. My self-esteem has had to get to a place where it is quite robust. And I would have to say that I enjoy what I think is a relatively healthy sense of self-esteem. It has been hard fought for, and I've had to really work on getting to this place, but that's one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about this topic and really passionate about getting people back to the idea that you have to work on this for yourself. You can't rely on other people to make you feel good, and actually you have to be able to bake that blinking cake And some days there's no icing coming your way. There's no one giving you compliments or telling you that you're doing something well or showering you with praise. There's not necessarily that sense of love or appreciation steadily coming at you uh, in a way that you can rely on day to day. You have to be able to enjoy, praise, appreciate yourself for yourself. And some of the questions that I'm going to ask Today are about how you go through the process of building yourself good self-esteem. And if you are someone who's in an okay place with this, hopefully these questions will serve you in terms of further developing that sense of self-esteem. Otherwise, my hope is that if you are kind of back at a beginning stage, that these will be some introductory questions to help you on your journey. So the first question might sound incredibly simple but it's probably the most important one what do you actually like about yourself now I know that that might sound a little bit ridiculous but if we break that down a little more what do you appreciate about yourself what do you enjoy about yourself what do you most highly value about yourself what is it that is good about being you Like you have got your own story, you've been raised in a particular way, life has shaped you with the different experiences that you have had. Now, what is it that you like about yourself? What is it you respect about yourself even might be a good question. But what's cool about you? You as a person, your characteristics, your qualities, your way of seeing the world, your way of interacting, your natural kind of personality and leanings, what is it that you like about yourself? Now, one of the tricks when it comes to uh, physical self-esteem that I talk to people about when it comes to working on body image and that kind of thing, uh, something I've, this is a conversation I've had with a number of uh, younger women over time, is if you find yourself standing in front of the mirror and looking at a part of your body that you don't like, you might look and say, wow, I really don't like my thighs. Okay, now that is on one side of the scales and we need to teach your brain that when that kind of thought comes up, that is normal and natural to have those moments where we're like, oh, I'm not so happy about this or I really... Sometimes even that thought of like, yuck, I really don't like this part of myself is the reality of how that comes up. Then your task is to come up with 10 things that you like about yourself. 
And one of the things I challenge young women particularly, um, or anyone who's struggling with that sense of kind of physical self-esteem and body confidence to do, is to come up then with 10 things that they do like about themselves. So that what your brain learns is those thoughts are normal and okay to have a moment where we go, oh, I don't like that. Or, oh no, I'm not good enough in this way, or whatever it is. And what your brain learns is that that thought comes in And then what happens is there's there's this beautiful thing that grows from there where then you go to a really great place of sitting with 10 things that you do like about yourself, that that one thing turns into 10 different things. Now, if you can imagine and visualize for me neural pathways, right? These grooves in our brain where one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought, What we want to carve out is neural pathways that go, okay, negative or not so great thought happens, and now, ta-da, 10 wonderful thoughts happen, and I end up in a good mood state, or I end up at least not feeling crap about myself. Sometimes I talk to people about it in the sense of balancing the scales, so we've got that thought about the part of our body that we don't like on the one side, and then we are stacking up the other side of the scales with 10 thoughts that we do of things that we do appreciate or enjoy about ourselves or things that are good about who we are or about our body or whatever it is that we're working on. But we can learn that one negative thought doesn't then lead us down a trail of further negative thoughts and into a really stink mood state we can teach our brain, this is how it goes, sweetheart. This is what happens next in this process. We're going to then end up thinking about all of these really good things. It is, um, you know, perhaps a little bit akin to Pollyanna's Glad Game, if you ever saw that movie as a child, where, you know, something difficult would come up and then she'd play the the Glad Game of being aware of the other really good things. Um, I can kind of hear Julie Andrews singing a song about this in The Sound of Music. I don't know, you know. You can have I Have Confidence in Sunshine playing in your head if you want to, but how do we get to that place of actually when we have one of those normal, natural, very human thoughts where we go, that's actually not where I stay. I don't hang out in that place and that kind of thought is okay, but that is not what I sit in for the rest of my day. So get into the habit when you do have a negative, what we would call cognition, a negative thought about yourself, how are you going to balance that out and thinking about What are the things actually that you can appreciate about who you are? So what are you actually like about yourself? The next question is, what are you good at? Now, sometimes when I ask people about this, I get lots of really role-centered answers. So it might be, I'm really good at finishing tasks. I'm really good at being reliable. I'm really good at like things that are kind of I can hear when they're thinking about that, they're answering from a really work-centered, work hat-on perspective. But try and think more broadly about what are you good at. I'm good at bringing energy to groups of people. I'm good at seeing problems clearly. I'm good at engaging with new people. I'm good at following up with friends when something is going on and something is hard I'm good at being resilient like what what is it that you 
are good at that you can appreciate about yourself. And this is where it can be really helpful to think about some data points. So we don't obviously always just self-generate these um, thoughts and feelings around what we're good at. And sometimes it can be really helpful to go, well, okay, um, Myers-Briggs says I'm good at this. Or this other psychometric tool I've taken called Clifton Strengths Finder says that I'm good at this. Like, how do you actually go, well, here is what the data says. Here is a robust psychometric tool that I've taken that says definitively that these things are my strengths. So I really highly recommend Clifton Strengths Finder. If you haven't done it before, the cost is about 20 US dollars to take the online test. Now, the online test gives you some results that, in my opinion, are about kind of 5% of the value that you can get out of the whole strengths process. And you really need to go and get one-on-one coaching. And all around the world, there are coaches who are available to do strengths coaching. I really encourage you to find someone who does it. It is something that I have done as one of the first coaches trained in New Zealand with the Gallup Clifton Strengths Finder tool. Um, It's not something I'm doing a lot of anymore. It's just something I offer to existing counseling clients. But if you are after a great strengths coach, please feel free to get in touch with me and I can point you to the different directions even all around the world uh, in terms of how you can find a good strengths coach. But if that is something that might give you a boost, think about those those data tools that you can um, engage with that give you that definitive black and white, here is a report that has looked at what it is that I'm good at or how it is that I approach things, what my strengths are. Sometimes we need that something to fall back on that is beyond our just self-opinion kind of mode. That can be a really good question to ask others and I often encourage people when they're working on their self-esteem to think about their answers to these questions and then to ask loved ones. So definitely not going to your loved ones first, like we're back to the you're baking the cake scenario, but you think for yourself about what am I good at, and then go and listen to three or four friends or family members and say, look, I'm I'm doing this podcast homework. I sometimes say to my counseling clients, like, throw me under the bus and tell people you, you know, you have to do this counseling homework before your next session or you're going to be in trouble. Um, but go and ask the question that might sound a little bit awkward, but it could lead to a really beautiful conversation. And the chances are you can turn the tables and then have that conversation back in their direction and share with them the things you think that they are good at. But um, definitely consider the views and opinions of others on that front. Interestingly, actually, I had someone, this is just a little aside, but I had someone recently in a work situation say, oh, you're really good at that. You're really, you know, nailing this thing. Like clearly like this is your thing. And I was like, this is actually not my thing. I'm just doing this thing to be helpful. Um, And actually I'm really recognizing that this is not totally my area of passion. And this takes actually quite a lot of energy out of my brain. And I find this thing really draining. This doesn't come naturally to me at all. I can do it. I can drag myself through it. But um, they, they praised me for something that they observed that I was really good at. I was like, wow, that actually just looks like that on the outside. So we need to know ourselves enough that even when someone says something that kind of, you know, has the potential to 
define or describe who we are and how we are and what we're good at. We need to know ourselves well enough to be able to uh, to gently push that back or to say thank you in the moment, but acknowledge to ourselves that actually, you know what, this isn't really my jam or my cup of tea or this costs me too much or there are other things that light me up more than this. So we need to be able to take into consideration other people's opinions, but they certainly can't be the basis of our self-esteem formation. The other thing that uh, that you can look to when it comes to your self-esteem is thinking about where you've found success. So when I'm doing strengths coaching with people, I follow the, the little international package of coaching. And one of the most beautiful questions is about, tell me about a recent success. And we then ask people to break down from that recent success, what does that tell us about you? And how does that relate to your strengths? Now, um, considering a recent success is a really good way to look at, well, what did I do that contributed to that situation going well, or to that project going well, or to that thing that I achieved, whatever that kind of looks like. Thinking about a recent success and breaking that down, like what's something that you're proud of recently? What's something that has gone well? And now the temptation always, and I find this really sad, is for people to think about work things. You might actually be really proud of yourself for how you've shown up in your relationship or your tenacity or your resilience in an interpersonal situation or your commitment to your children, or you're running your house, or your whatever it is, your um, own commitment to your mental health. Like, let's think beyond the workbox, people, but considering something that has happened that you have found success in, determined only by yourself, um, something that you have, where you go, that was a success to me, I'm really proud of that. What is it that contributed to that? So where have you found that success or that fulfillment or joy? And what is it about you that contributed to that thing going well or that situation going really well? Then what do you know about yourself? I turned 38 uh, in December last year and I found myself the next day on a plane uh, Auckland to Christchurch which, which is like an hour and 20 minutes and I often find myself using that time to do some kind of like journaling or planning or something like that and I wrote down this list I almost shared it online but it's actually a little bit over the line of being a bit vulnerable the things that I know about myself at 38 and it was like this list of you know I know that I actually don't like this or I know that I'm really good at that And I wrote like a few pages of the things that I know about myself. And some of it was about even how I relate to others and the things that I appreciate about others. Um, There was, you know, something in there about uh, I I know that I work really well with um, my husband because these qualities I appreciate about him bring out the following things about me and I appreciate that like it was this list of what is it that I know about myself I like these things I hate these things I'm good at these things I actually don't give a toss about these things people think I would care about these things and I really don't like it was a really sort of raw list of what is what I know about myself at this point in my life Um, And it was really empowering as a little exercise to do. So consider what is it that you know about yourself, your likes, your dislikes, 
where you perform best, accepting the things that you find hard. Like, can I just tell you, there are some executive functioning things in my life that I'm really rubbish at. So I uh, am one of those people who can put off and avoid tasks. It's actually a work on for me for this year. Um, how I clear those things, those niggly tasks that kind of sit for me. Um, I'm one of those like reply instantly or three weeks later kind of people. And sometimes I put those things off because actually my executive functioning powers are a little bit low. I can be quite hyper-focused. I um, have at some points in my life kind of considered, do I have high-functioning ADHD? And that's a little bit of a journey I've kind of ebbed and flowed with over time. But like getting to, the, to a place of learning and knowing yourself really intricately. So I know that, um, that for me, there are things that other people perceive um, me to be, uh, to be good at or to enjoy that actually on the inside, when I strip back the performance, they are not the things that light me up the most. They're not the things that I'm most excited about. Or that's not where I feel myself uh, showing up in the world in the best kind of highest way or highest form of myself. So think about those things, those things that you know about yourself uh, and what you can kind of define and what you know of who you are, because those things give you some really good clues about your self-esteem. I have worked with many people around situations in their jobs, and their relationships, particularly in marriages, in difficult family dynamics, where I've thought, gosh, there is this big piece of work in the middle of all of this that is about this person's self-esteem. That this situation is even more painful for them, or pushing even more buttons, because their own self-concept hasn't been very well explored, or they haven't got that kind of resilience within themselves when it comes to, uh, you know, perhaps someone in that situation doesn't have the resources to give you a whole lot right now, or perhaps in this time of working on a difficulty within your relationship, your marriage isn't going to be a really profound source of you feeling good, and you need to find other ways, other relationships, other um, other things that feed that sense of your own self-concept that are more reliable for you and that don't depend on other people's moods, other people's stress levels, um, that, that survive interpersonal difficulties, that allow you to go wherever you want to go in this world and take yourself and all of yourself to those places. So I think self-esteem is incredibly important. It has a huge bearing on our mental health. One of the things you have probably picked up over this podcast is I'm really interested in how people feel, how people feel as they go about their day-to-day life, their mood state. I know that there are massive issues like anxiety and depression, mood issues that are bigger um, kind of uh more talked about perhaps mental health issues but then there is just this reality of how we feel and the interplay of our thoughts and our feelings our beliefs about ourselves that Joe and Jane blogs kind of carry around every day and 
as I say in the intro to this podcast, life is too short to be feeling crap as you go about your day. Your self-esteem is a huge part of you feeling good in yourself. So I hope that in this episode there's been something somewhere that has struck a chord with you, even if it is just the bigger picture message of considering how you might invest in your self-esteem. But it is an art and a science and something you can commit to and something that you can move. But I firmly believe that everyone deserves to feel good within themselves and about themselves. So if you need to do some work, on your self-esteem, I send all my love and heaps of good vibes and energy behind you as you consider what is it that you actually like about yourself, what is it you appreciate, enjoy, value most highly, what are you good at, where have you found success and fulfillment and joy, what do you know about yourself, build up that sense of your own self-esteem, bake that cake, let other people just be the icing, you know too much icing is yuck. Uh, a lovely kind of delicious layer of icing on top of a nice cake is so good. Uh, But, you know, if we just swim in other people's opinions of ourselves, that is not a healthy way to be. And I hope that this can be a year where you find yourself with a strengthening sense of your esteem for yourself. It is an incredible gift you can give to yourself. No one else can do this work for you. And I really encourage you there's something in this episode that you want to pick up, grab some of, the, some of those questions, throw them into a journal and see what you can do to build your self-esteem this year. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to connect. So feel free to find me on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see when the next podcast episode is out. See you next time.